Put your hands together and welcome Pastor Aaron Kelly. He's got a great word for us this morning. Hey, how you all doing? Doing good? That's good. Um, Yeah, we do say some things different. Like uh, we say, when we think something, we say, I reckon this is going to happen or I reckon this is good. You guys don't use the word reckon. So if I say that today, just so you know, the word reckon means I think. Um, We say instead of the word trunk of the car, we say the boot of the car. So I often say to someone, it's in the boot. And they go, what? What do you got? What are you talking about? Um, so there's a couple of differences, but mostly we're pretty much the same. Australia's a um, pretty much like America. Our food's less greasy, less sugary, less fatty. Um, but you wouldn't be able to tell by looking at me. <laughs> but this morning, I'm excited because uh, when Pastor Michael uh, and I caught up for coffee, he uh, he was talk- talking about this series that you guys are doing, SPF. And I love this topic. I love this idea that... Um, that we can actually grow ourselves to underst- and understand um, that there is a battle going on, whether we like it or not, whether we feel it or not, whether we see it or not, there's a battle going on in the spiritual realm, and this battle is raging for your soul. The, the devil will do anything he can to take away uh, your eternity. Um, and so I'm excited by this series that you guys are going to do, because I think it can change your church, it'll change your life, if you just tap into the biblical principles that, that Michael and the team are teaching here. And um, this morning, I've, I've titled my message, You're Stronger Than You Think You Are, because how many of us know that sometimes we uh, don't realize the strength we have? Yeah? Yeah? Um, thanks, Michaela. <laughs> Um, as I grew up I've never been a man's man my dad is a mechanic he's a panel beater he's a man's man he loves cars he loves getting his hands dirty anytime my dad would uh, get me to go outside with him to help him with the car he'd go pass me a spanner and I'd go and get a spanner I'd take it to him and then I'd go and wash my hands and then he'd say pass me a screwdriver I'd go and get a screwdriver and hand it to him and then I'd go and wash my hands because I hated the feeling of having dirty greasy hands so as I grew up I was more the the guy who just liked to hang out with his friends and um, care for people and love. <laughs> and and some people looked at me and go, why are you nothing like your dad? And I'm like, I don't know. I don't like cars. I don't care about cars. I don't care about man stuff. Um, amen. Yeah, that's right. Um, and so I never really got into a fight at school. I never was given a black eye. Um, I was never beaten up. I never put myself in a situation to get beaten up until I came to America. (laughs) I was in America this time. I've been to America four times, but uh, this time a couple of weeks ago, July 4th week, we went to New York and decided we'd spend a week in New York and uh, see all the tourist sites and live it up in the big city. And while we were there, July 4th, we decided we're going to go and see the Macy's fireworks. And we get to um, our hotel room in the afternoon and we're, or that, that evening. Um, and we're planning. We've got to be at the fireworks by 9 because that, that's what time they're going to start. So we're heading to Brooklyn Bridge Park. And um, my friends and family, we're, we're all about to walk to a bus station. And when we get to, that, to the foyer of the hotel, the, the lady at the desk says, you guys still going to the fireworks? And I said, yeah, yeah, we are. And she said, well... Um, you're probably going to get there really late if you leave now. And we said, why? This was 8.30. She said, well, by the time you want to be there at 9, it's 8.30 now. 
By the time you leave here and walk to the bus station, it could take you 20 minutes. And then the buses only come every 20 to 25 minutes. So you have to wait there for that. And then it'll take another 20 minutes to get there from the bus station. So we worked it out and we were going to be really late. And so we decided we'd call a taxi. And the taxi didn't come. And five minutes gone, 10 minutes gone, no taxi. We walk back into the foyer. I'm like to this lady, where is my taxi? got fireworks i've got a kid i've told there's gonna be fireworks too where's my taxi she says i'll call them so she calls them and they say we're on our way we're on our way five minutes five minutes so we wait another five minutes it's now like 10 to 9 and there's no taxi within ben's run up to the corner he's looking out he's waving any taxi he can see down no one stops for us and so um we quickly decide that we're going to get in my car and we're going to drive to, to the fireworks. And that's a bad idea if you're an Australian in New York City. Driving a car anywhere is not a good idea. Especially not on 4th of July when everyone's wanting to go and see the Macy's fireworks. So we get in our van and we drive and we get up to this one-way street that is uh, very, very um, banked back, I guess. I don't know if that's the word you use. Cluttered. Yeah. It's, yeah, it makes sense. Good. It's <laughs> Congested congested is the word took a while <laughs> it's a congested street and, and it's it's about nine o'clock and i look at these guys in my car and i say you guys we're gonna miss the fireworks you guys need to get out and just walk run do what you can to get to brooklyn bridge, bridge park and once i find a car park i'll call you and i'll meet you somewhere so they get out of the car and they start running now the whole drive so far ben who's been sitting in the front seat with me he's like keep the windows up we're in downtown brooklyn Keep the windows up. You'll get beaten up. And so we've kept the windows up. And I don't like air conditioning. I like air conditioning because it keeps you cold. But I don't like air conditioning because you get sick. And while we're in New York, we were getting congested. So like the road, <laughs> we were getting a bit congested. So I turned off the air con after air conditioner after they left. We shortened everything in Australia too. Air con. Um, we turned. I turned it off. They were walking, and I wound down my window. And I'm stuck in this congested street and the traffic moves a little bit more and we turn a corner and I'm on this bridge and on the left hand side I've got a perfect view of the city of the harbor of the Statue of Liberty I don't know what bridge it was called but I could see everything and the fireworks started just as I turned the corner I'm on the inside lane there's an outside lane that could block my view if there was a car in front of me but there was no car in front of me there was a truck just behind my car and if he came any more forward, I wouldn't have been able to see the fireworks. So I was glad he was just back there. And the fireworks start, and I'm watching them. They're amazing. And the guy five cars up decides he wants to stop and watch the fireworks, which go for about 35 minutes. And so he gets out of his car and walks to the edge of the bridge and starts watching. Well, the man in the car in front of me decides that's not a good idea because he's late for something. He doesn't care about the fireworks. So he gets out of his car, grabs a baseball bat, only in America, and walks down this row of five or six cars, gets to the front car and whacks it and yells to this guy, get back in your car, whack. And I'm sitting there going, I don't even know what's happening in the fireworks anymore. I'm watching this. I'm like, this, is, this is like the TV show Cops or something. Like, there's, Someone's going to come and arrest this man. And so I'm watching and um, they're at each other. They're yelling, I want to watch the fireworks. Bang, get back in your car. And I'm freaking out. And then, at my window, I hear this noise. Speak to me. And I am already petrified, being an Australian in downtown Brooklyn. It looks like a slum village. And this person, 
uh, these two people are fighting up there and this person says something in my ear. Well, I scream and I whack whoever is there outside my window. And it's this short little Asian man. And as I whack him and hit his nose, he throws a punch back right into my right eye. And I'm like, ah, and he's like, ah. And then after we get over the screaming a little bit, he looks at me, he's like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And I say, I'm sorry too, I'm sorry. And he says, I just wanted you to move forward so my wife and two kids could see past the truck. <sighs> at that moment, I felt terrible. I'm like, I'll move forward, I'll move forward. Um, and at that moment, I realized I'm stronger than I thought I was. I've never, I've never punched someone before. And I was pretty proud of myself. <laughs> I walked away laughing for, about the situation. Probably broke the, guy's porn, the poor guy's nose. But, and I think I've got a photo of my, there's my eye. He, that's my eye. And it's a horrible photo, but there you go. <laughs> but sometimes we just don't realize our own strength. And this morning, what I, wanna, I want us to understand, I want us to get to this morning is the fact that you're stronger than you think you are. Not physically, and I'm sure you are stronger than you think you are physically, but in the spiritual realm, you are stronger than you think you are. And I, in Ephesians chapter 6, it talks about what spiritual warfare is. And I guess this series, this whole series is about spiritual warfare that you're doing. And I just wanted to give you what the Bible says is uh, spiritual warfare. So in Ephesians 6, it says this. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, stand. You might not realize it, but there is a battle raging for your soul. You don't know how strong you are sometimes until something comes up against you and you've got to fight it. But sometimes we have a world, and I look at Christians and I look at churches, and we have a world of Christians who are walking around living defeated lives. They don't look any different to the people in the world. And, and one thing I believe is that we're called to be set apart. We're called to be different. We're called to a, a higher standard. We're called to, to something greater. And the name of Jesus is far greater than anything that can come against you and I. And so I believe as Christians, we should be on the cutting edge of everything. We should have the best doctors, the best mothers. We should have people writing the best books. We should have the best everything uh, in terms of offering our world because we've got the best inside of us. And when it comes to spiritual warfare, you, you look at some Christians, and I'm not sure if any of you are one of these people today, but you just let the attacks come and come and come and attack you because you actually don't understand that you're stronger than you think you are. And so this morning, I just want to take a little time, and I want to read a passage to you from Ephesians 1 and, and 2, and just take a few points out of this, this passage that I believe shows us how we can experience freedom and how we can gain strength in this battle. Amen? Let me pray. Father, I thank you for, for true life. God, I thank you for each person here that, that there's no mistake, that, that we're all here for a reason this morning. And God, I pray that as, as I speak this morning, you would speak through me, that, Father, you would challenge us, that you would grow us, that we would walk out of here feeling empowered and strengthened to fight the battle that's in front of us. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to read from Ephesians 1, uh, verse 18 to Ephesians 2, 7. And um, when the writer of Ephesians, when Paul wrote Ephesians, he didn't write it with chapters and verses. So some people ask, why are you going over two chapters? Well, 
He just wrote it and continued writing it. There's a flow. And so the end of chapter 1 actually goes into the start of chapter 2. So we're going to read the the end of chapter 1, the start of chapter 2. It says this, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. Far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in our transgressions or sins. It's by grace that you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming age he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. I believe that the key to understanding your strength in the spiritual realm is found here. I believe that, that if you want to stop walking around like a defeated Christian and start walking around like a conqueror, you just need to follow some of the principles that you find in this passage and, and you can walk out of here stronger than you ever knew you were. And, and these, these few things, if you realize this, I believe that any battle that comes your way, it's not going to affect you. It's going to be like what Pastor Michael said before. Let the Redeemer of the Lord say, so, so. Come at me. Come at me, devil. Do what you want. Because I know my strength. I understand the strength I have in Jesus. And when you come at me, it's not going to affect me anymore. I'm just going to push you back. I'm just going to fight a little bit. I'm just going to declare the greatness of God. And and you're you're nowhere near as great as my God. So I'm always going to have the upper hand. And so the first thing I'd say uh, in this passage that the key or the principle to understanding your strength is this. You are called. You've got to understand that you're called. In verse 18, it said this, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he's called you. You're called. You're called to hope. As I said before, there's so many Christians walking around looking defeated without hope. We have the hope of the world inside of our hearts. If you're a Christian in this place today and you know Jesus and you believe in him, you have a hope. When the world and the news throws uh, stories of hopelessness at us, like a plane getting shot out of the sky or famine or bushfires or earthquakes or floods or tornadoes, whatever may get thrown at us in the media, you've got to understand that you've got hope, the hope of all humanity inside your heart. And so we're called to shine that hope out. You are called to a greater hope. You've got to understand that, that the hope of salvation, the hope of life and life eternal is in you. And we've got to offer that to our world. I believe God has a plan for every one of our lives. You're called, yeah, you're called to get saved. God's got a salvation plan for your life. 
But he's also got what I call a, a general plan and a specific plan for your lives. He's got salvation plan. He wants you to get saved. He wants you to understand his love for you. He wants you to, to live out his salvation in your life. Then the general plan, which is what Jesus asked us to do as he left the earth, go and make disciples, go and share my love with the rest of the world. And then a specific plan, which I don't know what your specific plan is. Maybe it's to be a doctor. Maybe it's to be a mum. Maybe it's to be a nurse. Maybe it's to be a pastor. Whatever your specific plan is, God's got something for you and you just have to press into him and ask him, what is it that you've got for my life? What do you want me to be great at? What do you want me to do for you? I believe you can do that in any arena. You can be a great pilot, a great air steward. Whatever it is that God's called you to do, that's the specific calling. But the general calling, being a witness, I believe that that's what the church has to get stronger at. We're in a, we're in a crucial time. The urgency of the gospel is, is very, very, very evident. We've got a world who needs a savior. We've got a world who needs this hope. We are called to hope. If you, if you think about a courtroom, a witness is called up onto the stand and a witness stands up on this stand and they, they declare what they saw, what they heard, what they experienced at the crime. I saw him hurt this person. I saw this person break into a store. They're a witness and they prove a fact. Well, you and I, we're called to be witnesses of Jesus Christ. We're called to prove his, his lordship in our world today. You and I are here to prove who Jesus is. You are called. Mark 16, 15 says, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. I want to ask you this morning, do you live a life called to hope? Do you live a life of hope that proves Jesus is Lord? If you, if you don't, maybe you need to start understanding your calling. Maybe you need to start living out your calling. Don't live responding to the calling of the world over your life because they're going to call you to do all these things that, that's not going to satisfy you, that's not going to make you complete. The world says, oh, go and get drunk. It's okay. It's, it's, a, it's a thing. It'll, it'll make you feel happy. But then when you wake up the next morning, you don't feel happy. Go and hook up with all these girls or guys because you, you've got a craving for love and, and comfort. But it doesn't make you feel any more love because there's a love that you're craving that you don't even know about. And that's the love of Jesus. There's all these things like the rat race. Climb the ladder of success. Push others down so you can get higher. That's what the world says is, is what's going to bring you happiness, is going to bring you fulfillment. But let me tell you, your calling is to a greater hope than all of that. And that is to find salvation in Jesus, to be his witness and to do and live life the way he's called you to live it. The next thing I think you need to be, understand that you're called. But the second thing you need to understand is this, that you are powerful. In verse 18, it goes on after it talks about understanding the hope to which he's called you. It says this. And understand his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms. Think about that for a second. Jesus, a man who had died. He'd been whipped, he'd been beaten, he'd been flogged, he'd been pierced, and he'd been dead, clinically dead for three whole days. In, buried in a grave raises back to life. That same power that raised a man who'd been dead for three days is what lives in you and I when we're saved, when we're Christians, when we call him Lord. That's the same power that lives in you and I. And we can go around and declare life in dead situations. 
There are people who are walking around dead. There are people, this world stinks of death. Because there is an eternal mindset that you've got to have. And if you're a Christian, you know that eternity means perfection. Eternity means the presence of God forever. But if you're not a Christian, there's no eternal mindset. There's nothing that, that's, that, that's meaningful in life. And if you don't understand that, then you don't understand that you're powerful. You don't understand the power that could be on the inside if you ask Jesus to be your Lord. Acts 1.8 says this, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. This power that it's talking about is the same power that helps you live out the calling. Remember what I said before? The general calling is that you be his witness. You go and tell the world. Well, it says you will receive power that will, when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses. You need to understand you're called, but you need to understand that you're powerful so you can act out your calling. If you want to go out and change your world, if you want to go out and impact people's lives, then you've got to understand the Holy Spirit in you is powerful. The Holy Spirit in you can change people's lives. In Acts, it goes on to say in the next chapter that um, everyone gathered were amazed at the miracles and, and the things that had been happening that the disciples were doing because they'd received this power. I would love to see a world where everyone's amazed at the Christians walking around. That they're not looking at us being judgmental. They're not looking at us saying, oh, look at those people picketing a funeral. They're not looking at us Christians uh, throwing hate or slander or judging each other or gossiping about each other. But they can look at a united church and they can see the church in all its beauty and its all, all its glory. And they see it and they say, wow, I'm amazed. Look at the power in that place. You've got to understand you're powerful. The third thing you've got to understand, you're called you're powerful and you're alive. You are alive. It says in chapter 2, verse 4 of Ephesians, because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in our sins, it's by grace you've been saved. You're alive. You're called to live lives where you act out the life, the resurrection power of Jesus. In Colossians, it says something very similar in chapter 2, verse 13 to 15. It says, When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having cancelled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He's taken it away, nailing it to the cross. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. One thing you've got to understand about the devil is this. He's a legalist. Who's ever watched the TV show Once Upon a Time? Yeah? One of my favorite um, nursery rhymes or fairy tales when I was a child is the story of Rumpelstiltskin. And in Once Upon a Time, this character Rumpelstiltskin, he's, he's the bad guy. He's one of the bad guys. But Rumpelstiltskin was a legalist. Rumpelstiltskin would make these sneaky deals with people and he'd say, if you do this, uh, if, I, if I do this for you, then you have to do this for me. And he'd say, uh, he, like in the, in the fairy tale, he says, you have to give me your, your child. And so the, the woman doesn't live up to her end of the deal. And so because she didn't do it, he, she had to give him her child. And there was always a clause with Rumpelstiltskin. You could always get out of the deal. 
And the clause with Rumpelstiltskin in the original fairy tale was, if you can tell me my name, if you can tell me my name, I'll give you back your child. So this lady, little did he know that she'd been wandering around his camp the night before and she heard him dancing around the fire saying, they'll never guess that I'm Rumpelstiltskin. And he's dancing around. And... (laughs) And so he, she comes back the next day and she says, is your name Harry? And he's like, no, laughing. And she's like, is it Bob? No. <laughs> well, is your name Rumpelstiltskin? And at that moment, his, because he was a legalist, he knew he had to give back the child. And the devil is very much like that. You see, when Adam and Eve first sinned in the Garden of Eden, they ate that fruit. They brought the seed of sin into yours and my life. Whenever we were born, we were destined to sin. We were destined to make a wrong choice somewhere along the line. You and I were destined to, to live lives where we'd, where we'd make wrong choices. And as soon as we make that wrong choice, in Colossians it talks about it's like when we sin, we've signed our life away. We sign a contract with the devil saying, here you go, have my life, it's yours. At the end when I die, I'm, I'm happy to live in eternity of torment with you, it's fine, I sign my life away. But Jesus, in Colossians, it goes on, there's a clause at the bottom of that contract. And you and I know what that clause was. It was the shedding of a, a man who had ne- the blood of a man who had never sinned before. And so Jesus comes along and he dies on a cross for you and for me. And it says in Colossians, having canceled the debt, the charge of our legal debt, which stood against us and condemned us. He's taken it away and nailed it to the cross. And then I love the next verse. It's like God just poking fun at the devil and making a spectacle of it. It's like for the whole world to see for the rest of eternity, you you now know that there's a get out of jail free clause. You just have to look to the cross. You can now get out of an eternity of torment. You just have to look to the cross and confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord and you will be saved. You can get out of death and you can be made alive. And this morning, if you're a Christian in this place, you need to understand you're alive. Before you can understand your strength, you need to know that you're no longer dead, so stop acting like it. You've been raised to life. When Jesus died on the cross, he cancelled out the certificate of death because of his legal transaction. You've been raised to life. And because of that, the last thing I would say is this. You need to understand that you're positioned. You are positioned. What does that mean? In verse 6 of chapter 2, it says this, and God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. Why is that exciting? Why is it exciting? Because of this. We don't deserve it. We never earned it. But for some reason, God loved us enough to send his son. For some reason, he loved us enough to call us out, to give us a hope. For some reason, he loved us enough to send his Holy Spirit and give us power. For some reason, he loved you and I enough to bring us back to life. And for some reason, he loved us enough to seat us in heavenly realms with Jesus. What does that mean? Well, earlier in the passage, it said what Jesus, where Jesus sits and what it means for him. It said this, when he raised Christ from the dead, And seated him at the right hand of the Father in heavenly realms, far above all. Everyone say, far above. Far above above all rule, all authority, all power, all dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet. 
and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body. The fullness of him who fills everything in every way. You and I are seated with Jesus. We're seated in Jesus far above all. And what that means is this. When the devil comes and brings an attack your way, you've got to understand you're not seated under the devil. So many of us have this picture of the devil as this red little demon guy with horns and a big tail and a pitchfork. And he just comes and he stabs us with his pitchfork and he makes our life misery and he brings all this stuff out and he, and he torments us and torments us. And we see that him as being more powerful than us. I've got to tell you something this morning that he is not more powerful than you. Don't fight from a place of equality with the devil because you're not even equal with the devil. You have been raised to life and seated in heavenly realms with Jesus far above all rule, all power, all dominion, all authority and every name that is invoked. You are more powerful than the devil. Anything he brings against you can be stepped on, can be tramped on because you have been raised to life with Christ. I'm excited about this. You need to realize your strength this morning. We need to realize our strength in Jesus. You know, the enemy actually gets nervous when we talk about this. I can just imagine him cowering in some corner now. Because there's a group of people who are starting to understand. Hang on a second. You mean that, that that sin that keeps coming up in my life, that thing I keep doing, and I don't know why I do it. I don't even, Paul even said, I don't know why I keep doing this thing I do. You don't know why? Because you've been given the devil too much power in your life. You didn't understand the strength you had. Some of you have been labeled with names. It says that you're over and above every name that's invoked. I don't know about you, but when Jesus said, let your kingdom come and your will be done. I don't imagine that in God's kingdom, depression or anxiety is going to be present. Let me tell you this. If you've been labeled with the word depression, the name depression, you've been labeled with the word worthless. Whatever name you've been labeled with this morning, I'm here to tell you that by the power of Jesus, it can be broken over your life. I just spat on you. Sorry. It's an extra. You can pay me later. It can be broken over your life. Because you have been raised to life. You are stronger than you think you are. You don't know it today. You might not have known it today when you walked in, but you can walk out now a conqueror in the name of Jesus. Don't let the devil beat you up. Don't let the devil pull you down anymore. It's time to stand firm and know that you are powerful. You are called. You are alive and you are positioned in the heavenly with Jesus, ready to fight your battle. So the next time the devil brings that attack your way, you can say, so, so, everyone say, so. I like to think of it like this. I've got this wolf t-shirt. I've been collecting Walmart t-shirts while I'm here. Have you seen those big head t-shirts? All the animals. I've got a tiger one. I've got a wolf one. I've got, what else do I have? An eagle one. I've got a cat. It's awesome. And there's also a t-shirt that I've got. This is really nothing to do with this, but anyway, with all these cat heads all over it. Oh, it's beautiful. It's, <laughs> I should have worn it today. I thought it would be dressing down, not dressing up. So I wore this beautiful thing. <laughs> but I've got this wolf t-shirt and the wolf one looks ferocious. He looks like an angry wolf. And I was thinking as I was praying about this message, I was thinking, what if a wolf 
was to run at me. I'm out in a field somewhere. There's nowhere to hide. And a wolf, a ferocious wolf came and just jumped on me and started mauling my face. Started scratching me and biting me. So many of us, when the devil does that, we do this. Oh, Lord, please help me. Oh, God, I'm, uh, I don't know what to do. God, please help me with this sin. Or please help me with this. Please help me with this attack. Shut up. Stand up for yourself. If a wolf came and attacked me, I'm not going to go, please don't. Please don't. God, help me. I would kick that dog in the face. That wolf in the face. I'd, like, I'd punch it in the nose. You know I already do that. <laughs> I'd kick it. I'd punch it. Like, Get out of here. You don't belong. Go. Shoo. I'd yell at that thing until it left. And I'd keep running and yelling and, and hitting it. I would fight back. Stop fighting the devil from a place of being below him or being equal than him. Start giving him bite back. His roar is much worse than his bite. Because you have power in the name of Jesus. You're in charge now. So I want to I ask you this morning to start praying with authority. Whatever situation you're facing, whatever situation your kids or your family or your friends are facing that you know is an attack from the enemy, maybe they're not even saved. Maybe the, the attack is that they're not saved. I want you to start praying with authority, declaring in the name of Jesus, devil, you have no place here. Devil, I know that in the name of Jesus, I'm stronger, I'm more powerful than you, so I declare you be gone. And Jesus, come and fill this situation with your life with your hope, with your power, with your purpose, in Jesus' name. Maybe you're here today and you don't know Jesus. You're not a Christian. You don't, you've come because someone invited you or you saw the signs out the front and you've been listening. And you're like, what is this crazy guy on about? I want to tell you that you're called right now. God's calling your name. He's saying, I'm, I've got hope right here for you. For whatever situation, for whatever circumstance you're facing, I've got hope. I'm here. I'm offering it right now. You've heard that this morning that Jesus came. He died on a cross for you so that you could be set free from sin, from the stuff that tangles you up, from the stuff that weighs you down. And he, he died on a cross to set you free so that you could run the race, so that you could live your life free from all that stuff with purpose and with destiny. And that one day when you die or when Jesus returns, you can live for eternity with him in heaven. And right now, I, I want to give you the opportunity to say, God, I actually believe in you now. There's something that's happened today. I see what these people have, the songs they've been singing, the word that's been spoken. And, and I, I believe in you, God. The Bible says this, that if you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you'll be saved. When you confess with your mouth, that means going out, not just saying it, but when you leave these doors, you start to live it. I encourage you to get involved in church. Go to the Life Track course. Go and join a small group. A light, do you call them life groups? Small groups? Join a small group. Get connected and get surrounded by people who are going to help you grow in your Christian faith, in your walk with Jesus. Don't just let it be a decision that you say right now. And I'm going to give you an opportunity right now. If you want to, if you're here today and you have never asked Jesus into your life, you've never said, God, I want to make you Lord of all. Right now, I just want to invite everyone to close your eyes, bow your heads. And if that's you, I just want you to raise your hand so I can see it. If you want to give your life to Jesus, you want to say, Jesus, set me free. Help me to live my life. Help me to give, give me that freedom. Give me that purpose that Aaron's been talking about this morning. If that's you, just raise your hand. I can see. Thank you. It's awesome. 
anyone else. Don't let this moment pass you by. I'm just going to lead you in a prayer. This prayer is just going to invite Jesus to forgive you of your sins, to thank him for his death on the cross and to ask him to come and live with you forever and help you live your life. So would you repeat after me? Dear Jesus, I thank you for dying for me. I thank you that you've called me. I thank you you've given me power. I thank you you've given me purpose and that you've raised me to life. Forgive me of my sins. Wash them away. I give my life to you. I believe that you are Lord over all. Help me to live my life for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, two people just entered the the kingdom of God, so why don't you put your hands together for them? Amen. Amen.